We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Someone needs to tell the World Cup scriptwriters to go back to the drawing board because no one's going to believe this one. This is the Arsenal Vision World Cup Daily. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. The final World Cup Daily. Um, and I'm going to just tell you in advance, it's not going to rival the match. <laughs> All right. I mean, whatever job we do, we're not going to do that good a job. Um, and yeah, if the scriptwriters came to you and said, hey, we have an idea for a script. It's going to feature the greatest player of all time in his sport and the young pretender to his throne going up against him toe to toe in the biggest match of the of the biggest tournament in the sport. And they're going to trade blows and it'll look like the the old legend has it, but the young buck will fire back and blah, blah, blah. You'd be like, no, syrupy, not believable. It's exactly what we got. It's everything you'd hope a final could be. It's everything narratively, everything visually. Sure, there might have been 40 minutes of meh in there, but that only served to make what happened after more incredible. And we're going to try to explain what we just watched, cover the moments, maybe put the history we've just seen into context, and a quick look back on the tournament. When I say we, of course, I'm talking about Phil Costa. You can find him on Twitter at underscore Phil Costa. Hello, Phil Costa. And breathe. And breathe. And I mean... And breathe. Yeah. I mean, that was, I mean, what a way to, to round these podcasts out. What a way. I mean, that was, I said it on Twitter. I think that was genuinely the most incredible match I've ever seen. I needed Um, to go to the bathroom for like 45 minutes. (laughs) Didn't want to do it for fear that I'd miss something incredible. I I, I was opening windows. I was closing the windows. I was (laughs) looking at my phone. I was nervously squeezing every, you know, every part of my thigh that I could. It was, it was, you know, it was just incredible. Really. I, I, I loved it and I had no skin in the game and my heart didn't stop racing for the last 65 minutes of that. And it was, it was brilliant. It was incredible. And, and so going to the beginning and, and we'll work our way through it, but like, this game, Phil, so obviously I think one of the surprises was Angel Di Maria from the left. You know, uh, Rabiot comes back into midfield. Otherwise, I think mostly what we expected. But, like, I feel like narratively, this kind of followed a, a narrative that 
made sense to me early on, which is maybe France haven't been quite as good as has been represented. Argentina actually have been quite good. Now, the irony is they've been quite good in that they've led in every game by two goals and then conceded in most of them and wound up losing the lead. Well, it happened again. But to be fair, Phil, when when they wound up with a two-goal lead, it, it sort of felt to me like, yeah, you know what? Argentina probably on the balance have been the better team in the tournament. So just at from a very high level, at that point, were you looking at this game as A, game over, and B, sort of representative of, of maybe what we might have thought of these two teams, r- respectively? I think so. I mean, for for 79 minutes, there was no contest. I mean, it was... Argentina had obviously done their research. I think Scaloni made a really interesting tactical call by playing Di Maria on the left. But there was just nothing from France. Really, really nothing at all. I mean, they didn't have a shot for, what, 60, 68 minutes? 69 mm-hmm. minutes? Um, you know, and the, it was just the same kind of tactical exploitations with Teo Hernandez out of position, Opa Meccano being a bit of a bull in a China shop, you know, steaming around all over the pitch, fouling people. Um, And Argentina were just getting in time and time and time and time again. And nothing seemed to be changing, even though, you know, Deschamps made that that, uh, first half substitution, double substitution. You know, and at one point I was kind of expecting France to to do something. And they just weren't. And then and then football happened. I mean, it's it's quite incredible how in this particular sport momentum can just shift in in seconds. Um and they could have even won it in normal time after coming back. And it was it was it was just mad. I mean, there's a lot to break down from this, but the general kind of momentum of the game, the feeling of the game changed basically for no, for no time at all for 80 minutes and then the rest of it was a basketball game you know it was like watching the nba playoffs um and it yeah, was it, incredible it was absolutely incredible so so let's let's start with the first goal um penalty for you i mean i saw a lot of people say it's soft i think dembele first of all it's, it's lazy defense like he he gets his legs too close together like he gets spun like a top and then he's chasing and then I mean, I, I think he clips his heel and does the thing where you make someone else's heel knock against their own foot and like tangles them up. I, I have it as a penalty, and I'm curious if you do as well. It's a penalty. It for me, it's really soft um, from a from a couple of perspectives. I think, mm-hmm. th- like you said, Dembele is so so lazy there. I mean, look, no one's asking you to be. Um, you know, the reincarnation of Takahiro Tomiyasu, but just do your, just do your job. Like, Tomiyasu just, isn't d- dead, by the way. You, you don't need to be reincarnated. You can just, <laughs> do we know that? <laughs> you know, Who's touche, seen him? Who, yes. <laughs> Who's seen him in the last uh, 10 days? Um, but yeah, it's, you know, he, he was having a shocker anyway. I mean, how many times was the, was the ball rolling under his foot, misplaced passes, loose touches. And, you know, France's clear, uh, Argentina's clear tactic was to overload the right side, get it to Messi, get it to Di Maria, and then isolate him 1v1 against Jules Kunde. You know, and it was happening time and time again. He decided, oh, this time I'm going to track back with the most half-hearted attempt. You know, the, the way Di Maria breezes past him in the first action is genuinely disgraceful. Like in a World Cup final, he's turned his back um, and in a desperate attempt to to make amends, you know, he's clumsy. It's really, really soft. I'm, I'm not denying that. It's super soft, 
but he clips him and Di Maria goes down. He wanted that penalty from the moment he controlled the ball. Um, so don't give him the opportunity to go down. Yep. You know, it's it's been the penalty World Cup and you just gifted them another one. And for me, there's plenty of people saying it wasn't a penalty, but the the anger should lie at the feet of Dembele, not not at the the awarding, in my opinion. I yeah, I totally agree. And I mean, even if you want to say it's soft, like soft penalties are st- still penalties, right? The problem mm-hmm. with it is if you believe that he clips his foot, causing it to go into his other foot, he can't stay on his feet, right? That's the problem, right? There's some penalties where you're like, just, uh, you know, just stay up. Don't go down from that. But when your feet tangle up, it, you're going to go down. And if Dembele caused it, it's a penalty. Anyway, Messi steps up. And I feel like every episode now we talk about how Messi's one weakness is penalties. Not in this tournament. Like, this tournament has been the messy penalty redemption tour. And uh, he took this one perfectly. So cool. I mean, (laughs) I would have loved to have, like, a heart monitor on him at that moment just to see (laughs) how low it could have dropped. Because for me, it looked like it was in the the 70s or something or the 60s. but, you know, I got a little bit scared when he went for the run-up because I was like, Messi's mm. never really done that before. Um, and it kind of <laughs> it kind of met, it set up the narrative for, why has he changed the run-up? Do it properly, yep. you know, the, the Brexit run-up and smash it into the corner. Um, <laughs> but he, you know, he Lloris showed his hand early, I would say. Um, but it was, you know, cool as you like. And I think in that moment, the only thing, you know, I mean, that, that was a, a clear sign of the dominance, of Argentina's dominance, because France was simply not in that game. I mean, they showed nothing in that first half. And, and you know, with, with, a, with a French team like this who just kind of have an air of inevitability around them, you kind of need to kill them off. And that was kind of stage one in that project, in that process for Argentina. Yeah. And I, I think, um, like, I, I think it was deserved. I don't think France were very much... In, in the game for the first 40 minutes or so. And then we get another goal from Angel Di, Angel Di Maria. Uh, your thoughts? It's a brilliant goal. I mean, again, it's kind of chaotic from a French point of view because positionally they were all over the place. I mean, why Upamecano comes out to try and deal with Messi on the halfway line is beyond me. Um, and then it's just players trying to play catch up after that. And, to you know... It happens when you're playing good teams, they can pull you apart. But that for me felt very self-inflicted. I don't think Argentina had to work particularly hard for the, for the opening. Mm-hmm. Um, I have it as one of the goals of the tournament. So we, we it's see a brilliant goal. Yeah. There's I, so I, many I, really I, good decisions and touches that have to be made. Like mm-hmm. everybody's involvement in it is the exact involvement that's needed. And you know, the one Phil that I think deserves, is it McAllister who plays the last pass? I think it is, right? Yeah, he's the one that makes the third man run beyond, yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to give him credit because the two things you see there commonly are the guy just sees sight of goal and smashes it. Mm -hmm. The other thing you see is he doesn't have have the confidence in playing that pass early, so he carries it a little longer, hoping for it to get easier and gives the defense time to get back into position and the chance is gone. Mm -hmm. He takes it, he makes the decision early, he plays the perfect cross, right, the perfect... Slid ball across into Di Maria and Di Maria finished it. But like, I, I think McAllister deserves a lot of credit for that because you see that move ruined either by a shot being taken or a man wanting to take too much time. And we will be talking about a man who wanted to take too much time with Latoro Martinez later. So I, I, I thought it was a really fantastic goal personally. 
It's a brilliant goal. And the way it happened so quickly just kind of set the set the fire alight, shall we say, for the final. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, I saw a lot of issues there from a France point of view, but from from an Argentinian side, you know, the movement, the one-touch play, the execution was faultless. And people look at it and say it might be, um, you know, it might be an easy one. But like you said, the the kind of temperament and the patience and the awareness of McAllister running through there was excellent. And he just, he just found Di Maria um, coming onto it in that, in that moment. And the finish is brilliant as well. It's, it, is it a little bit early? Um, mm, yeah, a that, little that's, bit, that's a little bit bouncy. Well. Mm-hmm. Yep, um, yep. You know, it was just really, really nice, you know, and, and that goal for me summed up the two teams at that moment, you know, France were kind of all over the place. Argentina, very switched on, strong in their technique, strong in their decision-making. And they were like the the red arrows at that point. It was, you know, brilliantly executed. And, and from that point on, um, I honestly didn't see much of a way back in. Even at that, you know, that early on, I didn't see much from France because they looked gassed. They looked finished. And, you know, I was wondering where that, that bit of, you know, inspiration was going to come from. Yeah, I mean, there's there's Argentina fans crying. There's Argentina players crying. I mean, Messi's got his World Cup. It's over, right? I mean, it had been pretty dominant. And Deschamps makes a change. And I admit at the time, I think I tweeted, like, this feels like a change for change's sake. Um, because I was sort of thinking, well, France aren't playing their way through. So why not lump it into the box to the big man, right? Fall down every time you feel contact and start lumping it into the box. That's not the move they make. Uh, they bring on Marcus Taram and uh, Kolomuani. Mm-hmm. And I have to admit, Kolomuani is a new name to me. Mm-hmm. What do I need to know about this player um, prior to this? And what did you think then? What did you think in the moment about that that change that he made? I mean, it was one hell of a statement, but ultimately it was one that I couldn't really disagree with. Um, even though I can understand the the thinking behind keeping Giroud on and maybe trying to give yourselves a different outlet because like you said, you know, Chuamani, Rabio, they were just being crowded out and there was no, mm-hmm. there was no way through. Um, and I can understand the argument for Giroud to try and, you know, play off him and around him. But I mean, Dembele for me was, was abysmal. I mean, nothing was happening for him offensively or defensively. And, and I had no issue with bringing him off. Ultimately, what I think Deschamps wanted to do was a make the statement as in, you know, this is unacceptable um, and you're coming off. I don't care if it's a World Cup final. Um, and B, I just think he he wanted presence, uh, presence up front because Dembele was so timid. Giroud was often out outnumbered, you know, even if he was winning the headers, there was no second balls. And I just think two Ram, Kola Moani, two wide forwards, big, strong, they can win their duels. I just think he wanted... Argentina to to think a little bit, you know, and it didn't happen straight away. I, you know, even after the changes, I thought there was maybe 20, 30 minutes where they weren't effective. Um, mm. But I mean, credit to Colo Moani. I think he was the only one after coming off, uh, after coming on, sorry, that was in injecting any kind of urgency into France's play. He was, you know, he was putting himself about, he was winning 50-50s. Um, in the air, he was strong and he's having a really, really good season for Frankfurt. And he was kind of a, a late arrival into the squad after the injury to Benzema. Um, 
you know, I think he's got eight goals and nine assists for Frankfurt this season, but it wasn't so long ago that he was playing in the fourth division of French football. Mm. You know, I think it was three seasons ago that he was playing in the fourth division. So on a personal level, it's an incredible rise for him. And he scored in the last game. He kind of put the seal on the on the win in the semi-final. Um, or was it the quarterfinal? Sorry, the quarterfinal. Mm. Um, no, it was the semi-final, wasn't it? When the, Against Morocco. Yeah, he's the, the, yeah. the deflected mm-hmm. you know, Mbappe strike. Um, and yeah, I thought he was the, kind of the only one trying to inflict any any change in, in, in this game. And, and, you know, you don't need to give Otamendi too much of a, uh, an opportunity to, to go full Otamendi. And I think to be, to his credit, he's been really good this tournament, mm-hmm. but with defenders like that, they just need a single moment of stress, a single moment to feel uncomfortable. And you saw it there. So someone running beyond him for the first time in the game brings him down and France are back in it, you know, and that for a long time, it didn't look like that was going to happen. Yeah. And, once, so, you know, the game, I feel bad for anyone who's a casual out there. And I mean, let's not feel bad for casuals because they're missing out on the greatest sport in the world. But like at 2-0, they may have switched off and missed mm-hmm. what became the greatest football match in the history of the World Cup, I think, if not one of the best football matches I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, and I, I know we have a tendency to, to like to crown things in the moment because we want to believe we've just witnessed history, but I think we really have. And it starts with that penalty in the 80th minute. And it's just like Argentina self-destructed. It, they really, really self-destructed. And they, they, they are lucky ultimately to get away with this, to be fair. Then France were lucky to get away with some shit that happened with them too. But let's, let's talk about it. Kylian Mbappe. The, the the opening penalty and what you're thinking in that moment when this game really <clears throat> didn't have that much life to it, didn't have that much heat in it, and and how this is now changing your perception of what's going on. No, I mean, look, I I I, I didn't write the game off completely, but for, uh, it was getting to kind of done deal territory for me because yeah. I just genuinely didn't see enough from France. Um, and by the way, a lot any- of people had a lot of Mbappe tweets that wound up having to get deleted because a lot of, oh, Mbappe fraud <laughs> confirmed or, you know, uh, just a hit, push and run merchant, yada, yada, yada. So, I mean, he was he was quiet, but with, with, with players of that caliber, of that quality, all they need is a couple of moments. And look, the penalty was um, maybe an easier one to execute, but, uh, you know, it, at the end of the day, it takes a lot of um, metal and, and technical ability to, to get that in. But the second goal, I mean, the the defending is is not great. I will say from Argentina, I don't know where Nahuel Molina, the right back, is going in that moment. He just leaves his position, um, and Mbappe's kind of got that whole space between the the centre back and the right back, and then Romero doesn't know where to go. And actually, when when I think it was Rabio who played the ball over. I was screaming, take it down, take it down. You've got so much space. Mm-hmm. And then what does he do? He just fires a technically perfect volley um, straight, you know, low, hard into the corner. I mean, Emmy gets a, Emmy Martinez gets a touch onto it, but I think it's, it's a really hard one for him to save because at the end of the day, he's six foot five and to get down in a, in a, in the blink of an eye is, is impossible. Um, and he, you know, he takes it so well. And in what was it? Two minutes. The previous seventy nine were just eradicated in in those two moments, 
you know, and it just shows you the fine margins of football and how important quality is because Argentina had chances. They had chances to finish that game um, and they couldn't do it. There's there's always a small window open and Mbappe doesn't need, you know, another invitation. And from that moment on, it was carnage, genuine, absolute carnage. Um, I, I can't even process what happened at the, after that moment, Phil, because yeah. both teams just decided, oh shit, we need to win this now and absolutely went for it. Mm-hmm. And it was it was extraordinary, just an extraordinary sequence of events. Once we got to 2-2, and like, it, it was exactly what you want, right? Because you had, Messi had gotten his penalty. I think he'd been okay. I think mm-hmm. he'd been okay. He, I mean, he, he had dripped his quality on the game, but he'd been okay. Mbappe had been absent. And then Mbappe comes to life, scores a penalty, scores a stunning second. And then Messi starts to come to life. And every yeah, yeah, yeah. time he touches it, he creates something. And I'm probably fast-forwarding through a number of other chances. But what will be forgotten in the sea of chances is a stunning strike from the top of the box from Messi that Lloris denies as a winner at the very, very tail end, what, seven minutes into stoppage time of regular time. And there were multiple other moments mixed in there too that I'm not even mentioning. That was up there as like the wildest 15, 20 minutes of football I've ever seen. It was it was crazy. You know, that the script was well and truly written for him there. I just think the strike was a little too central. Um, even though Lloris gets a good hand to it, a big strong hand. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I just think the kind of the pattern of Argentina struggling to close out games was a really interesting one because we've seen it throughout the knockout stages. You know, there was, they were cruising against Australia. They conceded in the last 10 minutes and then it took an incredible wonder save from, from Emmy Martinez to stop that going to extra time. Then they play against Netherlands again, two nil up in control. Veghorst gets one. And then that crazy set piece at the end that, that pulls them back again, extra time again. And now we've seen it again in the world cup final with France they should have been out of sight. Really, there was, there were, you know, that, that that game should have been secured. Messi should have been doing his round of, you know, uh, around the pitch, clapping, you know, tapping the badge. And somehow they were heading into extra time with, you know, in, an incredible amount of jeopardy. Um, and I, d- I did a bit of research and up until the, the 79th minute in the knockout stages, Argentina outscored their opponents by nine goals to one. Um, and then after the 79th minute, they were outscored by four goals to zero. So in the in the final 10 minutes, there's a clear pattern of them, you know, letting things slip, maybe losing some some composure, some of their shape. I mean, it was genuinely crazy. And there was that moment where Marcus Turam went down and, you know, I thought the ref gave a penalty, but then he, he booked him. You know, it was just... I think, and it was right. I think it was right. By the yes, way. I think, I think he right. did exaggerate for sure. He was falling down, but to, he to hooks be able his to, leg behind the defender and then yeah, uses I think that Enzo, I think Enzo Fernandez pulls out just in the mm-hmm. you know just before he's about was, to boot him right in the shin. When did it happen? There was a moment where there could have been a. It was a borderline penalty. It was either foul on the edge of the area or inside the area. But the ref let them play on, which wound up being the right move. It was, I think. Yeah, because, it was Kingsley Coman right on the yeah, edge of the box. Yeah, yeah, because then they wind up with a a well-struck chance from the channel that's, mm-hmm. that's, is it smothered by Emmy, I guess, but it's, it's like a good chance. Yeah. Um, um it was, think, yeah, just so back and forth. And I, I loved it really. I, I enjoyed it so much. So <clears throat> one of the big moments in, in extra time is Latoro Martinez coming on. 
And this guy, he he was a, a few missed penalties away from uh, having to give up his Argentinian passport because it was it was a very Iguain esque kind of kind of appearance. And the two that stand out for me, the one where he's sent in, sent through, was it by Messi or Messi creates the opening, whatever it is, and and he decides he wants an extra touch when he's got mm-hmm. it for the first time. The other one that stands out is 120 plus four when there's a, a cross lifted to him and his header is dreadful. Now, to be fair, that's not an easy header. It's probably not a, a goal just if he gets his head to it properly, whatever. The first one, I think, is the bigger miss, but he just had a number of other moments. He had one where he was 1v1 with, was it Upa? Upa yeah, it was Upa Makano. And, and yeah. he like slows and slow. Like he he waits for it. And he's so lucky to see the flag go up there. And that mm-hmm. one that was offside. But like his his appearance definitely had um had Iguain vibes, didn't it? Definitely. I mean he's yeah, he's a lucky boy. And I think he he went over to Messi at the end of the penalty shootout and there was you know a little bit of an embrace there. And I think I could feel the 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 tension just kind of rolling off his shoulders because Look, it's difficult to come in cold as a substitute. And I think Julian Alvarez is kind of the the flavor of the month now with the Argentina fans and 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 how they're playing. Because he, you know, don't forget Lataro Martinez was he was starting. He started the first game against Saudi Arabia. Yeah. So, you know, you're looking to come on and make an impact. And I just think it was kind of one of those days where everything is going against you. His finishing wasn't clean. He looked so kind of lead and footed and slow and um but yeah like you said that header he missed at the end um it came after a crazy passage of play where emmy martinez probably makes the save of the tournament yep. you know to save from colin i mean that I, is I a strong that. hand yeah so, i mean so how does that chance even come to exist <laughs> Like, I it, it's gone from my memory. I just see Colin Moani going through. I think Mba- Mbappe the, Mbappe it's plays just totally him. Totally misjudged. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and he strikes it really well, you know. But I just think Emmy Martinez your, makes himself so NHL big. hockey kick save and a beauty. I mean, it is such a good kick save. It's in yeah, 120 yeah. plus three, and there's still time for Martinez to miss that header. Yeah, that that's one of the great saves you'll ever see, isn't it? Yeah, it, it reminded me of that um, that championship playoff goal that Troy Deeney scored that one time. I don't know if you know it, where um, I think it was Anthony Knockhart missed the penalty and Almunia saved it. And then Watford got the other end and, and yep. scored the famous yep. goal. And it was yep. like, here's Hog Deeney. I mean, imagine if, imagine if, you know, after all of that drama and you know the incredible save from Emmy Martinez that they just got up in the other end and score a header, you know, in... in in extra time, injury time. I mean, it, I couldn't keep up. Honestly, I was looking at, at my my TV, then it was going to Twitter to see what was happening there. And then it was like, it was it was crazy. Honestly, crazy. There was um, a cross, I think an Mbappe cross that Moani can't get his head to, but I thought it was going to go straight in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It nearly yeah. curled into the corner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, even at the end, there was another bit where Mbappe kind of waltzed into the box. He beat two or three players and he just couldn't get the little space required to to fire off a shot, really. I mean, there was it was it was NBA playoff, you know. The, the funny thing is we um, haven't even talked about the actual goals that were scored in, in stoppage time yet. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Let's get to that. Um, I mean, surely when you score in the 108th minute, you've won the World Cup. And that's exactly what happens. Messi is just Johnny on the spot. Not not the goal you equate with Messi. 
Um, I was convinced that it was going to be offside. Me too. Up, yeah, yeah. Upa's gigantic rear end is the backside of, of yeah. Upa. Yeah. <laughs> is ultimately <laughs> what plays Martinez on. And, and to his credit, he smashes Lloris in the face, mm-hmm. which will now be an iconic moment in football <laughs> history. We should all be thankful for that. And Messi's there to sort of bundle it in. And at that moment, yeah. I'm like, I, this is unbelievable. He couldn't write this script. Messi has just scored a winner in 108th minute of, of, of extra time to win the World Cup final. A- again, the script doesn't make any sense. Not possible. But that's where we were in the moment. Completely. I mean, it, I, I'm, I, like you, was just waiting for the referee to blow the whistle, you know, get the ball down, off we go. Because in real time, he... It, he looked so offside. The flag I mean, it was went kind of, up. I, I don't yeah, know if you yeah, noticed yeah. this, but after the goal was given, At the, the end, linesman yeah, yeah, raised yeah. his flag. It did. Yeah. Um, and it, I think it was just the momentum of Upamecano going forward and, and Latara Martinez going the other way that made the gap look so big. Um, but yeah, I mean, the re- I was just waiting for it. You know, they're celebrating in the corner. I was like, it's offside. It's offside. Uh, just waiting for the referee to blow. And then, you know, incredibly, it was onside. Messi's there to... Um, you know, to to put it in. I mean, Jules Kunde tried his best to clear it off the line, but, you know, and again, you know, kind of how Mbappe was a bit inevitable for France. You just figured in that moment, at this stage of the tournament, with with what's on the line, it, it just had to be messy, right? And that was the kind of, the Neymar moment. Do you remember against Croatia? It was that mm-hmm. moment kind of, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, what's the word? It was It, it was kind of that moment like, replayed out should we say you know it was their talisman their star man you know he's done it for his country <laughs> and, then, and then they're pegged back again with one of the most ridiculous bits of defending i mean <sighs> yeah and then this whole world cup sort of turned into a laughing at harry kane moment too because like the whole narrative around harry kane is like well he had to take two penalties that's too much to ask and like mm-hmm. and Bobby took three and messi made two and everybody's yes. making penalties off messi's but then, taken eighty nine thousand penalties in in qatar and um, scored them all um yeah. and then we have a guy who could have become the scapegoat if it wasn't going to be latoro martinez and that's gonzalo montiel now mm-hmm. ironically he becomes a hero which is you know, mm-hmm. lucky for him, but you just, you can't have your arm out like that. It's crazy. It's, like, it's you, crazy. And I get it. Mbappe can score from there, but if you're measuring and this is what's hard, right? Human instinct is I got to block this ball. I get it. But like, I'm also not playing in the world cup final for my nation. Surely you've got to have more sense than to do that. And like maybe part of the problem Phil, is that like a lot of these guys grew up on football when there was no VAR, right? There was none of that stuff. And like, but the refs have gotten better. The VAR has gotten better. Like that cheeky, get your arm up and knock the shot. Like you're not getting away with that. What are you doing? You know? I mean, I I don't know if he was just running on pure adrenaline there um, or a desperation to try and stop anything going towards the goal. Um, But it was a moment of of madness. Uh, You know, having finally got yourselves back into the lead, You've got just a few minutes to see it out, and then you, you've made history. And his head completely went, you know. Completely and went. Yep. It's just, it's funny, isn't it? You in that situation, pressure, pressure kills you. Um, and I think being scared of what could happen um, just impacted his decision making, you know. And it was crazy. I mean, it wasn't even 
one that you look at and you say, mm, it's a little bit harsh. I mean, the arm is, is so out and up, you know, it's basically, you know, uh, he's trying to be the goalkeeper there. Um, and it's, you know, uh, another chance for Mbappe. He tucks it away just about, um, or was that the, the one, it was that the one in the penalty shootout that he just about, that's got? the one, the um, penalty shootout. Yeah. yeah. I think this one, he sent Emmy the wrong way, didn't yep. he? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and <laughs> hat trick in a world cup final. Do you know the only other hat trick in a world cup final? No, uh, um, yeah, um, Hutton is that it? or or H- Hatton? H- who who is it? Was it he? He tweeted out something about it, and I saw it, but I can't remember the name. Who who's that? It? Hutton. I don't. I don't know. There was there was someone. Yeah, it's it's from uh, Jeff Hurst in nineteen sixty six. Yeah, yeah. All right. You know, just because I, I mispronounced the name is what it is. <laughs> yeah, Jeff Hurst. So it, yeah. I mean, it's it's an incredible feat and an achievement to be able in, to indignation Hutton what the hell is that you idiot no because I was like did I get it wrong so no, I had no, to double no. check you, you absolutely yeah. have it right <laughs> I had to double check my notes there um but yeah so it, it hasn't been been done in such a long time and for him to be able to do that at 20 what is he 23 24 years of age now it's just you know it's pretty clear for me where the the baton is going after you know Messi hands it off um you know, uh, he's just a, a marvel. And I think if, you know, the, the whole narrative of Messi is not there and Argentina finally winning a historic World Cup after however many years, 35 years, um, a lot of people would be talking about him tonight. But I just think it's it's kind of not his his day, you know, but he's he's an, he's a he's a marvel. He's a phenomenon. Yeah. And he's going, I mean... He's going to be the guy if someone is going to be the guy to mm-hmm. potentially challenge Messi's legacy. Mm-hmm. Mbappe is going to be the guy to challenge Messi's legacy. Now, yeah. I, I will say, I, I will yeah. say quickly, Di Maria, that was a bold decision sticking him out on the left today. And I think Scaloni deserves a lot of credit because I think he got things wrong against Saudi Arabia, um, even though the result, uh, the result was kind of a freak in the way that it happened and in the way it unfolded. I just thought the team selection was, was too safe, Mm. too wrong. And he didn't lean into some excellent young players that we've seen come to the fore. I thought Enzo Fernandez was incredible again today. You know, I thought Julian Alvarez, again, a real kind of handful up front. Um, You know, he took Papu Gomez out. He took Lataro Martinez out. He's taken Guido Rodriguez out. He's taken Leandro Paredes onto a back seat. Um, he's brought Enzo Fernandez in, he's brought Alvarez in, Alexis McAllister, who's been one of the players of the tournament. You know, he changed it up against uh, the Netherlands. He matched them with a back three. I just think slowly with each passing round, Scaloni has really kind of shown his tactical acumen. Um, And again, today, I I thought there was a lot of balance in midfield. He went with Otamendi and and Romero, even though Lissandra Martinez might be a a more natural fit at left centre-back. You know, I think he's made some big calls and to to kind of gamble with Di Maria, I thought he executed that plan perfectly. And just a word for Di Maria, who I think has been one of the most underrated players of the last 10, 15 years. Um, you know, I think he's, he's spoken quite openly about the heartbreak of missing the 2014 final through injury. Um, and this was a kind of a nice redemption for him because I think I've really enjoyed him Um in the last 10, 15 years. And I love that he's been good everywhere apart from Manchester United, um, which is, you know, a really nice bit of satisfaction for me because when I, when I saw him at Real Madrid, 
you know, especially when Carlo Ancelotti moved in, into that central role, I thought he was the best player in Europe that year. Um, mm. So a really nice moment for him because it looked like he was being phased out, but he was phased back in and, and he made his mark. Yeah. Um, should we cover the penalties quickly? Um, yeah, we can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like it, it's, Emmy Martinez is good at this. I think we've seen that. I think it showed up yeah. again. But my mm-hmm. my one, really my only thought from the penalty shootout other than that is, first of all, we saw a goalkeeper do a shimmy, which was fun. But like, I just didn't <laughs> want Messi or Mbappe to miss. I, I didn't yeah. want the, you know, the fraudulence claims from the usual internet weirdos for either of those guys who deserve to walk off this pitch as heroes, either in victory or defeat. And we got the we got the good penalties from Messi and Mbappe, and that that was the key. Yeah, I mean Mbappe's one just squeezed through. Emmy Emmy got a big hand to it, and I thought oof, when I looked at it on the replay, I thought that could have gone either way that one. But Messi again, I mean, so cool. He just he sat down. Larice again, who who went to ground really early. I'm not sure if he was trying to psych Messi out, but he 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 kind of showed his hand. Messi puts it in the other corner. Um, but yeah, Kingsley Coman's penalty was not struck with, with much authority, was it? And then I think from, from that point on, you know, it was kind of, uh, Argentina's to lose. I mean, obviously, yes, in a, in a statistical sense it is, but I don't know. I just felt in that moment, did France have anything left? Um, because even to be in the final, I thought they rode their luck, you know, a fair few times. And in this game, they rode their luck a fair few times. So just could they find any kind of mental or physical resource to come back and they couldn't. So, you know, ultimately, I don't think it's a a generation-defining defeat for France because I think they'll just always be good with their talent mm-hmm. pool. I just think the whole story, the narrative was set up for Messi and Argentina and it's very difficult to stop that, you know, even even in a low-scoring sport like football. I want to do the whole context thing. Um, I want to put the game in context, the players in context, the winning context, and look back on the tournament quickly before we get out of here. But first, I do want to make sure we tell you this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. We talk about BetterHelp on this podcast a lot. And the reason we talk about it is because it's a good way to get access to therapy for people who, for one reason or another, may not be able to, whether it's cost, availability, knowing how to find a therapist, comfort with going in to see a therapist, or just feeling like therapy is for big, big problems, you know, when it can be, but of course it can be just for, you know, the everyday, I need help, coping skills, things like that. So a couple things to tell you about BetterHelp. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to another therapist anytime. Couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash vision. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, proof that I can spell. BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash vision. Do it now. Phil, is that enough of that? Indeed. Nailed it. Okay. First of all, I just want to have a quick word about Lionel Messi, who the whole internet seemed to be terrified of him not winning this, wanted him to win it, unless you were French. Everybody else seemed to like want Messi to get, or, or your, you know, your Ronaldo stan. Um, tough day for those guys. But like, then when he won it, I think other people were happier for him than he was. Like, is that the most taking it in stride celebration? Again, I'm sure he was overwhelmed, but like, 
smiling, waving to the crowd. Well, maybe I didn't see enough of the, the post-celebration, but like there were hysterical Argentina players and fans and Messi, the guy that everybody wanted it so badly for and probably his last chance to get it, just waving and smiling. <laughs> oh, you're on mute. Gotcha. Gotcha for once. Ah, there you go. That's I am. Yeah. Look, you know what? This happens. It happens. You know, this is an authenticity. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I just felt, you know, to be fair, he gave a, a fair whack uh, for mm-hmm. the celebrations. I mean, for the goal that he scored in extra time, there was a lot of um, emotion from him. And I just felt this whole Argentina squad were on a very fine line in terms of how much they were putting into this. It's very much going into Brazil territory for, for how much this means to them, you know, and... Mm-hmm there was such an emotional burden, not just on Messi, but onto the players themselves to win it for Messi. Um, and I, I think there was maybe an element of this not quite sinking in yet um, because what he's achieved in this moment, what he's achieved tonight has crowned the ultimate footballing career. I mean, there's nobody else... I'm pretty confident in saying there's nobody else who will be able to match this resume, you know, ever. I don't think it's... Yeah, I mean, we always say that about the greats and then someone comes along and does it. I don't... mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not going to happen anytime soon, that's for sure. You know, we've... Over the last 20 years, we've we've witnessed a a footballing alien, Mm -hmm. you know, who's just (laughs) managed to improve at an incredible rate and, and, you know, break records, win Ballon d'Ors, win Champions Leagues, go unbeaten... You know, and this was literally the last, last, last thing he needed to do to win, um, you know, the the hearts of, you know, his own people. Because it's often been a really difficult relationship with with Argentinians in the World Cup. And there's often been a a sour note of maybe underperformance or underachievement. You know, they've got the greatest ever player after having the previous greatest ever player. Yep. And he could, that was his shining glory. You know, he's done it for Argentina. Um, but finally now he can, he can put those demons to rest. And, you know, I, I wanted him to do it. I'm so glad that he has done it because in my lifetime, I don't think I'll see anything ever like him um, again. You know, yeah. it's just what we've witnessed is 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 extraterrestrial. Football is in basketball. One player can't win a thing for their mm-hmm. team. I think Messi has been the most unlike any player I've ever seen in that he can, at his best, in his pomp, win a thing for his team. He had moments in the last 20 minutes of, of regular time and in, in extra time tonight where he was doing that thing, where he seems like he can just win it for his team. Every touch seemed to create something. Um but you know th- this was the last thing that supposedly you could use to say he wasn't the greatest and 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 now he is and i think it just takes a lot of bad faith arguments off the table uh, i don't mm-hmm. think had he not won this i don't think it changes his resume particularly because he did everything this guy can be asked to do and i don't particularly the weird thing is i don't have any particular love for messi i just find the arguments against him being that he hasn't won a world cup kind of bad faith so and this france team is going to be around for a long time they still have a lot of talent absolutely they, they absolutely. have the best player in the world heir apparent who is in his early 20s and is not going anywhere. In terms of where this final sits, right now in the moment, the temptation is to say greatest final of all time. I I don't know. I haven't seen all the finals. I mean, surely though, it, it it is, right? I mean, like, how do you, 
there were chances at the death in regulation time. There were chances at the death for both teams in stoppage time. There were tons of goals. There were, you know, six goals were scored, tons more that could have and should have been. There were hero moments. There were disaster moments. The two biggest names in the game went toe-to-toe in this game and both delivered. I don't see a box you had to check for this to have elevated itself anymore in stature in terms of being, if not the greatest, certainly one of the greatest World Cup finals ever played. Yeah, completely. I, I don't think we'll, we'd be able to to recreate that the chaos and the carnage of that last, mm-hmm. um, you know, 30, 35 minutes. It was genuinely action in every in every action. There was action in every action, whether it was, you know, counterattacks, chances, penalty decisions, you know, um, like you said, the stage being set of of, of Messi uh, against Mbappe, you know, the new kid on the block against the, you know, the greatest um, player that we've seen. <laughs> it, it was just mad, really. And I, I can't remember a game shocking me so much. Um, maybe the 6-1 Barcelona game when they, yeah. they came back against PSG in the Champions yeah. League, just, just from the sheer madness of that, um, you know, and the unlikelihood of it, of it happening. I think the Arsenal um, 7-5 over Reading in the Carling Cup is up there, but you know. You know, where, guess who starred in that game as well? Mr. Rami Martinez. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and his weird celebration at the end when, yeah. or was it when Giroud and Coquelin were giving their shirts back to the crowd and it was like, <laughs> oh wait, we've got extra time. Um, but yeah, I just think there was just so much happening um, in every second of this and you know I I hate I hate that Gianni Infantino and the nerds at FIFA HQ can sit back and say oh we've given you know the world the best final I it, they didn't deserve it they don't deserve that satisfaction um they deserve no I, I think bad we, things I, I think we can rephrase it uh, so I I don't want to give them that satisfaction I think what we can say is they have on their hands such a to be cliche beautiful game such mm-hmm. a tremendous game that mm-hmm. even their grift cannot ruin it. Even their corruption cannot ruin it. That at its core, what football keeps showing you is that when you get on the pitch and you put those 22 players out there, it is a game unlike any other. And it is going, and, and the passion of the fans who love it and support their teams and the talent of the players that go and play it and the elegance and beauty of the game itself means that it delivers. And it delivers not because of, but in spite of the grift and and the corruption among the people and and by the way i included that the the fa's and the uefa's and the fifas i mean it's it's a week where we got news that there's going to be a 32 team club world cup because if there's one thing we've seen from the club world cup that had four teams in it or whatever it's been it's that it's you know blockbuster football that everybody's dying to watch um but the point is the the game elevates beyond all of this and and again i'm not just wagging a finger at fifa it's it's the corrupt owners of the big clubs in the world it's it's super leagues and uefas and it's all of it but the game cannot be held down and and i think tonight is just a reminder that the reason these guys can line their pockets is because they have stardust and it's you know when you have stardust people are always going to be willing to to tolerate what what you know what's going on behind the scenes that's that's yeah, the way. Well I said. Well, well said. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah um, you're right. <clears throat> well, it's not that I'm right. I mean, you're right too. But I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to angle it in such a way that I can celebrate the game I love, um, 
in the midst of all that. So in terms of, um, you know, we talked about the Messi of it. We talked about the Mbappe, the France, that where the game sits as a tournament, it's a brilliant tournament. Um, this final is a crowning achievement. It will be the lasting memory. I, I think the tournament really delivered. And I, I do wonder, as much as I never want to see another World Cup in the middle of a season again, do you think that a World Cup that was played when most of the players in it are in mid-season form might be a big reason why we got a World Cup somewhat unlike any other? I mean, potentially. I mean, it's 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 always difficult to say because there's so many variables, you know, that it's impossible to take all of them into account. But I think there is definitely something to be said about that. I think, interestingly enough, the Guardian, um, ahead of the World Cup, the Guardian released a, released an article about a study that showed in, in November, that was the, um, the month where statistically most players re- get injured, you know? So mm, it's been quite interesting. There, there <laughs> yes. And there were some big, you know, big players not playing here, uh, whether it's Pogba, Benzema. Um, I mean, there were a lot of players that just made it in as well. I mean, it, in France alone, you could, you could draw three, four, five different examples. Um, but I think, in general, the level was high. We've seen teams who would normally be considered the underdogs or teams who have maybe not even been considered in the past because of their their status. I'm, I'm thinking uh, Saudi Arabia, teams like Morocco, even Cameroon. You know, we've seen some excellent football being played across the board. Really a, re- a real equalization of talent and physical ability. And I think that's been, for me, one of the most refreshing the most refreshing conclusions from this tournament that it wasn't just the big eight, you know, it wasn't just Brazil, France, um, Spain, Germany, you know, we saw Japan have a, a, you know, two iconic results. We had Morocco challenge France until the very last moment we had, you know, Cameroon making history in, in, in their group stage. We had, you know, there was a lot of really, really good football, Saudi Arabia beating Argentina, you know, when has that ever, ever happened? Mm. And I just think, International football is on a, you know, I don't particularly feel too attached to it or too involved with it. For me, club football will always be um, number one. That's always going to be my priority. Same. And, yep. and I've, no doubt. you know, I've got no issue to admit that. But I, I enjoyed this so much as a spectacle. You know, I thought the football, boiling it down to the football alone, which I understand it will be difficult for a lot of people because, you know, obvious conversations need to be had and, and should be had. But boiling it down to to solely what happened on the pitch, I I really really enjoyed it. And having watched, I would say over ninety percent of the games, um, it's one that I will remember for a long time because there were upsets, there were last minute shocks, there were group stage shocks, there was an African team making history. One of my favourite ever players has won the World Cup. Um, to crown his incredible footballing CV. I mean, there was just so much to love and to like about this. Um, and and yeah, hopefully this can be a real positive for, for international football. And I'm glad that for now, Infantino seems to have realized that maybe the 32-team format is, is a nice one, you know? It, it remains to be seen whether the schmucks who run football They'll find can, a way. Can ruin a thing, <laughs> and that that is so so good. We will find out. But my lasting my lasting thought on this is that I, I 
from a footballing standpoint, I, I enjoyed it tremendously. I mean, nine times out of 10, you hear me say, I would have rather watched that Arsenal Juve friendly yesterday than watch an international game. But football has, has even surprised me. I was totally enwrapped in this. I was totally caught up in it. And I'm just, I'm, I'm stunned by what we saw in this final. It is a match that if you were told ahead of time, what happened wouldn't have encompassed everything that happened. We probably missed half a dozen moments. It was for about 50 minutes, maybe 40 minutes. It's one of the most exhilarating nerve shredding experiences I've had watching football. And I didn't even really care. So, you know, in terms of the outcome, um, I do want to say thank you to Lewis for being a part of this. I want to say thanks for, for Tim and Paul when they've stood in and especially you, Phil, you put in absolute yeoman work, heroic work being on all of these. I think we've done about 20 of them. Um, in when, when all, all said and done and your knowledge, you know, so that when I say, uh, for example, that I admire the work of a player named Pazella, you can laugh at me and ridicule me and correct me. I, I, all kidding aside, thank you for for being a part of this and and for the knowledge you brought and and the commitment you brought to it. it made it made it possible. So thank you. No, no, I've, really, I've enjoyed it. Uh, I, I, you know, I loved it after we did it with the Euros, and you know, I I had a lot of conflicting emotions going into this World Cup, but I hope that you know, despite you know the obvious issues and the problems and the you know the things that that should come out in the post-mortem of this tournament on a, on a purely football note. Yeah. Thank you for having me. And I've, I've really, really enjoyed it. So yeah, thank As you. And thanks to all the listeners because the, yeah. some of the feedback has been great. I've loved like some of the memes and, and the reaction <laughs> and the Patreon comments. And I just want to say again, it was a penalty. Um, <laughs> Julian Alvarez was cleaned out and I'm taking this to my grave. I'm not doing any audio editing on what you've just done to our, to our earlobes there. Um, <laughs> well, so so that will do it. Obviously, Phil will be on other Arsenal Vision podcasts in the future and Patreon podcasts in the future. And we have a lot of scouting stuff that we did, by the way. We just recently did scouting videos for Zhao Felix and Dika, also for uh, Fuller and Balligan and um, Charlie Patino and Austin Trusty. Those are all there. Um, but now we turn attention to league-leading Arsenal Football Club in their challenge, their quest to win the title. And if football can shock us in the World Cup the way it has, maybe it can deliver a shock and a joy uh, to Arsenal as our season gets ready to pick back up. So for the next few years, at least, we will retire the synthesizer music, the keyboard tunes. You'll hear them one last time. And then we will love you. And we will talk to you after Arsenal 10, West Ham Mills.